0: Now as we approach the 16th chapter of the book of Revelation, I want to set some things before you which really have been trailing throughout the entire Scriptures. When we looked at the book of Genesis, the third third chapter, when God confronts the sin of man, And when he confronts the evil one and his part in uh, seducing man to sin, God said, I will put enmity between your seed, speaking to Satan, and the seed of the woman. I've covered that before, but I want to draw up, uh, pull it back again, because so much of what going on in the book of Revelation represents the culmination of all things that have sprung from the initial initiation of things. So in the Garden of Eden, when God speaks to the serpent and says, ''I will put enmity'', it means that there will be a perpetual state of enmity between what Comes from the activities of Satan, which is classified as the seed, and what comes from the woman, uh, who is typically a person, a person, or even a nation. And we begin to see the outworkings of this as early as the two brothers who bring their sacrifices to God and how the one kills the other. Now the seed of the serpent, that ancient serpent as he's referred to in Revelation 12, that ancient serpent, the devil and Satan, the dragon who is the devil, who is Satan. So everything that comes from and is related to however Satan appears, be it as the serpent in the garden, uh, the devil who tempts Jesus, the dragon of the book of Revelation, whatever comes uh, and is associated with the evil one is the way that the war ultimately is engaged. And the war is engaged between That on the one hand, everything that is produced by the activities of Satan called collectively the seed of Satan and everything that collectively comes from the woman's seed. And I think it's interesting that he would talk about the seed of the woman because typically women only carry the seed of the man Um, they do not produce the seed. But this woman is given a seed. It's a clear and unmistakable reference to the Holy Seed of God implanted in the woman that produced Christ. Otherwise it would be referred to the seed of the man. But Christ, and in fact it goes to the, the bigger picture of the circumcision, the covenant of circumcision. What the covenant of circumcision was, was an enactment between God and Abraham where the foreskin of the males descended from Abraham would be removed. Now the covenant of circumcision existed before the nation of Israel was created out of the seed of Abraham and before there was any covenant from Sinai granting recognition to the descendants of Abraham who were coming up out of Egypt that they were the carriers of this promise. So the covenant of Sinai is in furtherance of the covenant of circumcision by specific reference. In other words, God ratifies at Sinai what He had previously entered into with Abraham. What He entered into with Abraham was the covenant of circumcision. The covenant from Sinai is how this people four hundred and thirty years later, according to Hebrews the the, uh, I'm sorry, according to uh, Galatians, uh, the, the fourth chapter, would be now enacted and moving forward. The covenant of circumcision in principle practiced would be the removal of the male foreskin. Symbolically it would indicate that the flesh was not allowed to touch the Holy Seed. So circumcision is often referred to as a covenant in the flesh, but it's specific to a symbol that would see the removal of the flesh in the form of the male foreskin so that it would be a constant reminder that though Abraham is the recipient of a promise that the covenant existed before the foundations of the world and he was merely the recipient of the promise that came out of that covenant. So God's covenant is with Himself that covenant produced a promise of a holy seed and a holy nation, God gave the promise to Abraham and required him to hold before his people, hold before his generations that unchanging truth that it was God's Son, first and foremost, who was coming to redeem mankind. And not merely a descendant of Abraham. Therefore, Jesus would be very pointed when he would say, Before Abraham was, I am. He was not, the Jews, of course, resented that because they thought he was making himself greater than Abraham. He was merely explaining that Abraham was secondary, a vehicle a carrier of a promise but Christ was primary in that, before the foundations of the world, He, the Word made to be made flesh, would in fact come and give His life but He would come in the form of a descendant of Abraham. So the seed of the woman, as opposed to a recognition of the flesh of Abraham. The seed of God is what God was promising when He said to the serpent, "'The seed of the woman will crush your head.'" Now the seed of the woman was carried in the form of promise in the nation of Israel which was started by this promise to Abraham and was empowered in the 12 sons of Abraham's grandson, Jacob, the beginning of that nation. So, all of that to say, there are going to be concurrencies. In the various forms that the seed of the serpent will take. And there are going to be various, there are going to be concurrencies in the various forms that the seed of the woman would take. I mean, the earliest of that was the seed of the woman, was righteous Abel. Well before there's an Abraham well before there is an Israel. And it would continue through the patriarchs until Abraham and then it would take on the specific indications of a promise and God would enter into an agreement with Abraham by which He would confirm the promise to Abraham. And then, in the fullness of time, Christ, the anticipated, Reference to the seed of Abraham and further the anticipated reference to the seed of the woman would come. He would come, he would appear first in the flesh as the son of Mary. And Joseph would be granted an attribution that would take Jesus back to the promise to Abraham. And such is the record of Matthew. the the genealogy of Jesus in the first chapters of Matthew. But upon the crucifixion of Jesus and subsequently His resurrection and ascension, the gospel of the kingdom, of which He is the King, would be released into the earth And it would come in the form, this release would come in the form of 12 speakers who were not naturally related to Jesus. They were not his His offsprings, for example. And then this message would be propagated amongst the Gentiles. with the the primary actors being the like of Paul, Silas, Timothy and some of the others. The natural order would fold into the spiritual order even though the enactment of it would continue to be among human beings and this would be true on both sides of the coin, the seed of the woman, the seed of the serpent the seed of the serpent would take on the grotesque the perverse the opposed to everything that would be brought into the earth by the nature of god working in and through his son who started out as a spiritual as a natural man but transitioned into primarily the spiritual man and by the preaching of the gospel on the day of Pentecost, the spiritual man, as it were, replaced the natural man. And following that and even amongst the Gentiles and continuing in history, the kingdom of God, a spiritual entity in time and space, invisible but real, practical but different. The symmetries of this kingdom of heaven would come out of heaven and would be in drastic contradistinction to the order of human kingdoms subject to the rule of Satan. The reason for this diversion, of course, is the fact that One is anchored in heaven and carries the nature and character of God both in heaven and on earth and the other would continuously represent a rebellion against that order and a striving to overthrow it. In the ancient world, many things happened to Israel as a type and shadow of this opposition that would stand resolutely against the body of Christ. So in Israel, or in Israel's time, it was invited to come down into Egypt as a type and shadow. Egypt being the, the, the most powerful. Kingdom on the earth at the time, but deeply embedded in the mythologies of the gods of Egypt. And there was no small reference to uh, the occultism associated with and surrounding the Egyptian gods and the practices associated with that and they enslaved the children of Egypt. A type and shadow very clearly of the opposition of uh, the serpent in the form of its seed to God. Similarly, on the, and on the other side, equal and opposite or perhaps d- different and opposite, God's dealings with Israel took on greater measures of the revealing of the nature of God and did so in the form of the law which was a veiling of Christ. Christ would later say, "'It was written before, but I say to you,' or, "'You search the Scriptures because in them "'you think you have life, but they testify of Me.' So He would say, "'I am,' the fulfillment of all that is spoken in the Law and in the Prophets. Of course subsequently Israel would be taken again into captivity, this time in Babylon and we have spent time talking about and will spend more time talking about what Babylon is. At the same time, Israel in Babylon Uh, is represented primarily, and the attitudes of God and the character of God are represented primarily in the prophet Daniel with great um, support, although we don't know a great deal about the entire lives of people such as Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, we know Daniel was not the only one but we can safely say that Daniel is the prime actor who represents the character of God in the hostility of the environment of Babylon. Again, this juxtaposition of the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent within the context of Israel, within the context of captivity, Egypt, Babylon and so on. So we see this... in inexorable movement forward into time. At the time of the Lord Jesus Christ, there was an end, as it were, to Israel as the representation of the seed, obviously so because now Christ has come and... All that Israel represented is now to be more thoroughly understood and explored within the person of Christ. So Israel, as a nation, is taken into captivity in the Roman Empire and effectively removed from being a representative symbol of the seed of the woman. One of the reasons that Israel is effectively removed is that it opposed the seed of the woman, crucified Him and lost its place. God intended that Israel should be the, the first fruits of those who were received into the kingdom, God always intended that. On the mountain of Sinai, God had said to Moses, although the whole earth is mine, say to the children of Israel, you will be for me, the entire lot of you will be for me, a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. This is the offer, I'll ratify with you today the promise to Abraham, but they ran and so God, faithful to His covenant, faithful to His promises, gave them the law which existed until the siege should come. The law preserved Israel and we've spoken about that before until Christ came. So it's no mystery that the Romans destroyed Jerusalem, the temple, and slaughtered the Jews and those who were left took them into captivity in Babylon, in, uh, in Rome. But now a new representation of Christ, actually a perfect representation of Christ arose. And when I say perfect, I don't mean that they behaved perfectly, that the early church behaved perfectly. But what I do mean is, instead of a natural representation, On the earth, now we had an actual representation of Christ on the earth. The actuality being a spiritual man led by the Spirit of God representing the person of Christ in his many splendors, in his many membered body on the earth. And this replacement will be permanent. There will never be again a rising of Israel to become symbolic, to become the symbolic representation of the seed of the woman. Israel's place, if it has one, and it does, is that a remnant of Israel would come to Christ. But in its place, Persistent departure from the ways of God, Israel was not able, chose not to be the first fruit of the kingdom of God, although a remnant of Israel at that time, like at the end, will be, well, at that time, a first fruit to the kingdom because the first converts to Christ were Jews, first apostles were Jews. None of this is anti-Israel or anti-Semitic unless you choose to make it so. This is the Scriptures, this is what is true. If what is true is construed as being unacceptable, then whoever... Decides that what is unacceptable, what is true is unacceptable to them, places themselves in firm opposition to God. I have often said, I'm not a politician, I'm not running for office, I am not seeking a popular vote, I'm simply desirous of being faithful to God. There is a place for Israel in the body of Christ, but not as Israel. Not as Israel. Neither Jew nor Greek. My problem is, I actually believe the scriptures. I'm not like those who market the gospel. There are all kinds of people today who see an opportunity to market a special relationship between God and Israel because so many foolish Americans, so many foolish American evangelicals want to somehow create a special relationship with God and they find teachers who will tell them that. They and the teachers who tell them that are wrong, and part of what I'm speaking and how I'm speaking it is to call people out of the error of these things back into what is simply true. Because unless they change, they and those that, like teachers that they've heaped to themselves on the basis of what they lust for, will pay the price. This is not a time. for people to to be playing around with the truth. This is not a time for specialty gospels. We were warned ahead of time that people will not endure the soundness of the truth but they will heap to themselves teachers for whatever they lust for. And they'll turn from what is true and they'll turn to the fables, what they lust for are fables because it gives them a sense of relevance that's artificial, it's made up. And this is the day of fire when every man's works will be tried. Now I want to wrap up this introduction to the 16th chapter of the book of Revelation. So those who represent Christ today are the body of Christ and eventually Israel will be given its final opportunity to be part of that and it's described in the terms of 140 and 4,000 which is 12 times 12 times 1,000. So it's not an actual number, it's a symbol of a perfect sample, a perfect remnant being gathered out they're not greater than or distinct from that great multitude without number drawn from every tribe tongue language and nation because that's what god intended but god is in the book of revelation god is revisiting and concluding the things that he introduced at the beginning because the book of revelation is a book of conclusions the revealing of how it is concluded. Now, the body of Christ will be represented by Jew and Gentile together in this one commonwealth of faith. The opposition to God, the seed of the serpent, the seed of the devil, is represented by this global kingdom and actors associated with it. There are three main actors uh, associated with it. There is Satan, there's the beast and there's the false prophet. Now what can we expect when this representation is fully blown in the earth? We can expect that it will evince Satan's character because it is the seed of Satan. So when you read in a moment about frogs, uh, which are lying spirits coming out of the mouth of the beast, uh, the Satan, the beast and the false prophet, you ought not be surprised. So we'll plunge into the 16th chapter when we come back. I'm Sam Solon. we'll see you then, bye-bye.